when shit hits the fan and you need to problem solve on the fly, we're going to do that and we're going to learn really quickly and we're going to know how to solve this problem in the future. We're not going to make that same mistake twice. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. So listeners, today we have Nick. Mark Wald. He is the founder and CEO of Hen of the Woods, one of my favorite potato chips, uh, locally farmed. Can I say farmed in Cincinnati, Ohio? Nick, or what do I say? Locally made? Um, all of the above, locally grown. I don't know. Oh, that's cool. Who knows? Yeah. Inc- but I incubated. Ink incubated but i super dig these i do dig your chips a lot in fact um i purposefully went out and got a bag last week i won't say from the restaurant even though i do love this restaurant rooted and got some there Excellent. welcome welcome nick thank you i'm i'm glad to be here i'm glad you're here too we always start our guests off with where were you where are you from where'd you grow up tell us about your familia um so uh, it, it's a hodgepodge. I uh, I was born and, and raised in uh, in uh, New Jersey. Um, I was born in Morristown, New Jersey. It's about an hour train ride to New York City, or as we call it, the city. Yes, um, I call parent- it the city too. Just so you know. Oh, you do. See, when I yeah, first moved to Cincinnati, I do. when I first moved to Cincinnati, I was. Uh, going into sixth grade and I always referred to New York city as the city. And I got so much crap for it. Another (laughs) thing I got crap for is I was at the time pronouncing orange juices, orange juice. Please keep it. Please keep orange. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, better. but, uh, but my parents were, were divorced when I was young. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really don't even remember. I, I don't have a single memory of when they weren't divorced, to be honest. Um, okay. my, my mom is from New Jersey. My dad is from the city, if you will. And I will. Um, after, uh, after they got divorced, he actually went back to Long Island where, uh, after he was born and, and raised in, in the city. And then he, uh, their family moved to, to Long Island. So he moved back out there. So, um, I split a lot of time between New Jersey and Long Island. It was, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> depending on traffic, as you know, in and out of the cities, uh, can be, uh, can be a lot. So yeah, give, give or take a three hour commute each way. Um, we would, uh, commute, there about once a month in on weekends and yeah. then i would spend about half the summer out there um <coughs> after that my mom was getting remarried to this dude uh from cincinnati and how, that and that's how did when, she meet him it's it's kind of funny he was 
he was actually injured they were introduced uh by friends from new jersey um, uh-huh. They met at my one of my uncle's 40th birthday parties in New Jersey, um, okay. which happened to be the night that the Reds won the 1990 World Series. Oh, my gosh. Um, and <clears throat> he happened to also be in the same fraternity in college that that uncle and my dad were both part of. Did that? Did your dad know him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, so basically, you're in sixth grade. You get uprooted. Well, I was in fifth grade, so we fifth moved grade. here the summer after fifth grade. So I started sixth mm-hmm. grade living in Cincinnati. And and was that night and day? Uh, it was a huge change. Um, <clears throat> I mean, since New Jersey was like i mean small town usa like super super rural surrounded by farms like oh yeah like in that part and and a lot has obviously changed that was that was back in like 19 1991 1992 um obviously a lot has changed since then but back then it was like all farms uh so we moved to mount lookout oh that's where i grew up okay yeah we were so so my 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 stepdad well now actually my my ex-stepdad um but we still get we still get along great um uh but he uh he was a, a builder so he uh built three houses off of principio road um, yes, and uh, and we we lived in one of those. No way, mm-hmm. that's crazy. All right, so you move here, and it's it is different because it was small town USA in New Jersey. You move here. Do you have siblings, Nick? Yeah, I have uh, a sister, older sister, older brother, an older stepbrother, and a younger stepsister. And did you guys all live together like Brady Bunch? Uh, no. So funny enough, uh, my step siblings, um, their mom got remarried and, and relocated to New Hampshire. Um, yeah. So so we we never all like there was never a time when we all lived together. And did you see your dad much anymore? Uh, it, it was it was relatively similar it wasn't like the same being like once a month we would we would make that three-hour trek each way um but yeah we we still we we still made it happen okay so you grew up in cincinnati uh i know that well can we can you explain how hen of the woods came about because you were trying to solve a problem, which I think is really interesting. Which problem is that? I thought, okay, I read on the web, on the website that you were trying to come up with like gluten-free croutons or something. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was a problem. Um, so, I mean, Hen of the Woods, the the name hen of the woods was actually born on my couch in Fort Collins, Colorado in 2005. Okay. Um, 
my and it was going to be a restaurant or something at that time i i wanted like desperately to open like a white tablecloth <laughs> fine dining restaurant um and i love mushrooms and i wanted to name it after an ingredient so i was like hand of the woods is a really cool mushroom i really like it and that would be a, a really cool name for a restaurant so um that was yeah so that was in 2005 in colorado and <clears throat> i ended up actually moving back to cincinnati with my now wife who's from dayton um wow. in late 2006 and our intention at the time was to open that restaurant um but you know little time moves past the economy was in shambles restaurants were were really struggling mm -hmm. so we put it on the back burner i uh <clears throat> i was chefing at the time um she was actually working in social work um and so we kind of tabled it um and i'm chefing we have a uh fast forward to 2010 now we mm -hmm. have our our firstborn no sorry 2009 our firstborn and then we follow that up and we have our second child in, in 2010 which very challenging working like 80 hours plus in in a restaurant yeah. chefing not making any kind of money yeah. um so um I, I I made a career change and I got into property management. Okay. So I I left the restaurant and was was managing a seventy two unit apartment complex, mm -hmm. um, which was a really big change. And at the time, <laughs> like I was like I'm done with restaurants. Like fuck this. I like this the whole thing's broken i don't want anything to do with it yeah i get like a year maybe maybe two years into the property management thing and it, it was going really well but i was like man you know i really miss that like artistic side of food which was like what i wanted to do um yeah. you know like i grew up and like I, I, I was into like photography and painting and then I kind of like transferred that artistic side into the culinary world and mm -hmm. like like when I left the restaurant industry at first I was like it was just like a sense of relief yeah. I can be I can be there for for my wife and my kids I we're making more money I can support this I can be there. We can be a family. It kind of like burned a hole in me. I didn't have that artistic outlet. Yeah. Um, when you so, say it burned a hole in you, like, can you explain what, how did that look like? How did that look externally? Like, could, did your, could your wife tell? Yeah. I mean, for, for me having that creative outlet definitely fulfills something for me um and like going from a place where i had like 
creative freedom to do so much to a place where they're like, and, and trust me, I tried to apply the creativity to property <laughs> management and managing like an apartment complex. And it like, I was like, we're going to, we're, we're not going to white wall these walls uh, when we're turning apartments. We're, we're going to provide some color. Like, here we go. I was yeah. like, like I, I gave it my best, but, um, and, and like, I, I even went to like, I, I bought a camera. I bought like, uh, like Photoshop, which I had never done Photoshop when I was doing photography. It was like, you were mm-hmm. in a dark room, you were processing 35 millimeter film. And there was like a chemical process to every single print that you were making. And that was, right. to be honest with me, with you that that was like my favorite part of it like i loved going out into nature and taking pictures or taking pictures and like of of people and like activities and stuff like that but there was something about the the process in the dark room that that really fucking did it for me so what was the what was the breaking point you know, I think a lot of it was watching Cincinnati's culinary landscape change from the outside yeah. and not being a part of that after working so hard in the culinary world leading up to that and exiting prior to the Cincinnati Renaissance, watching it happen. I was just like, yeah fuck this i'm back (laughs) you know can we pause for a second i think it's really interesting um we often talk about how fomo you know like fear of missing out is a negative thing but it but in your instance it was actually like a motivator or insight like hey i need to be doing i want to be part of this is that accurate oh 100 percent. i was like a junkie I was like, I need this. So we had a family meeting, myself, my wife, and uh, one-year-old and less than one-year-old. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, like I want to I wanna get back. And at the time, my wife actually, she, so she left um, social work. And social she, work. Was, uh, she was working at a Tavolo when they first opened an OTR. Oh, okay. so like, like I would go there with my infant and newborn Stop. and like, and it's just like, it would just like burn me that like, here I am just like this, this citizen going, <laughs> go, going in, into these places. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be a part of this like so did you know what you wanted to do right away um not i mean my my initial idea was we have to we have to pick hen of the woods from 2005 off the ground and we have to get it going but there were there were several things about that that as time went on that like kind of burned me on it and 
like the first the the first thing what like i always want to do like like i wanted to take cuisine as far as my creativity could allow cuisine to be taken and i wanted to use obviously like the best ingredients the local ingredient i i I wanted all of those things wait but that's what you did with with the chips though (laughs) yeah so there there's been a crazy there's been a crazy evolution when it comes to it so it started out as like okay we're going back to this white tablecloth concept and then it was like uh you know what i don't really want to just serve like the top three percent of cincinnati diners i want to create food that everybody can enjoy um and then like we we did underground dinner series that started in our house in walnut hills we did like an underground brunch series and in, in the former street pops shop in uh, OTR. Um, and we were doing some, some pretty off the wall stuff. Like never once did we like repeat a menu item. Like we were just like, I just wanted to test everything, push it as far as I could see, see where this was going. Um, but then in the back of my head the the whole like this should be available to everybody thing just kept yeah. on kind of kind of burning me so yeah. so then hen of the woods evolved away from the white tablecloth like i mean you're gonna come in and we're serving 30 people a night 13 courses to like what if we invite everybody in and they can come in and they can grab a meal that's affordable, but they could also shop from like our, from our kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it kind of became this like bodega concept in a way, like. Or did that sp- launch? Did you launch but, the bodega? Hell no. Can I, can I tell you something, something that's been burning me? I love that you keep using that word. You know how you said you loved mushrooms? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a friend and my brother loves mushrooms. Like my brother grows mushrooms and listeners know he does not grow the hallucinogenic ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, He loves mycelium. He loves fungi. Okay. Mm -hmm. You are and like the cool thing about mushrooms is that they're ever evolving right and Mm -hmm. changing just like you they're they're a crazy organism right like like fungi is it's wild and 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 it is wild it can be wild it can be cultivated it it can be farmed but man it's fungus is, is is crazy right so why no wait why is it crazy because i think this is a really interesting it's crazy because of because of everything like like hey there's so many different kinds like Mm -hmm. as as they say in mushroom gathering you can try any mushroom once it might kill you (laughs) but but you get (laughs) if you think about it like mushroom as a species there are so many varieties that can either kill you can make you feel terrible can make you trip your balls off and like 
change your life yeah. or there's all these other ones that you can just enjoy in different culinary applications that all have crazy different textures flavors like it's endless it's like like there there's not another thing in in produce that's like mushrooms like at least to my knowledge like there there there's not a there's not a a, a radish that can kill you i don't think or make you <laughs> a, a, hallucinate or a carrot right um yeah, so you so, love the mushroom. Okay. I just, I had to say that because it's like been on my mind the entire time. And I think mushrooms are so interesting and you're right. They're crazy. They're a crazy it, organisms. It's, it's a wild thing. And like, I think Did about you, like the, fir the first person that, that like tries each variety of mushrooms. I liken that to the first person that like tried oysters. It's like, man, you're either desperate or you're, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> Wait, you, hold on. Can you explain this to me? Because I don't like oysters. I just don't. Oh, I don't get it. Okay. I don't get it. Maybe maybe I need to learn and open my mind to this. Uh, you know, well, at, at Hen of the Woods, we, we, we have a saying, taste yes. is subjective. So... <laughs> like and that goes to, to all of our products as well like i'll be completely honest with you i don't like barbecue potato chips your, I pa love, your potato chips are my favorite i love our barbecue potato chips i do too but i don't love most barbecue potato chips some mm -hmm. people hate salt and vinegar chips they don't think that they should exist just like people don't think that pineapple should should go on pizza and they're wrong both <laughs> of them are wrong but it's subjective and that's fine right like like just because you don't like this doesn't mean you won't like our other thing and it's totally fine like i can't argue that just like when you put your earbuds in and turn on music like i'll probably fucking hate what you listen to and you're going to probably hate what I listen to, but you know what? It only matters to me because I'm the one that's, that's tasting it and I'm the one that's listening to it. So it's subjective. Have you always, have you always been, have you always been that way? No, I was a fucking asshole. Oh, well, I mean, some people would still say that I might be sometimes. <laughs> no, I, I, think I was, that's... I, I was pretty bullheaded for um, a point in my career. I, I definitely would say that I thought that I knew knew more and I had the best way. Um, it took leaving the industry for me to like really like get a grip on that ego. Like I, I feel like yeah. what, when I left and then I came back, I had put my ego in check to some extent um and i and i feel like I, I i continue to try to to put that ego in check but why why do I so many probably, chefs have big egos like um, why do they have such big egos i because because a lot I, of it's a lot of it's culture a lot of it's chef culture and a lot of it's just like i don't know 
I, 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 there's not one answer, honestly, there's not. Um, but, but like those of us who like grew up cooking and learning under these old school chefs and were mm -hmm. trained in a way that it's my way or the highway and, and inside these walls, inside this kitchen there, this is anything but a democracy. So you listen to me or you get out. And is it because they have to keep like the highest of expectations and, and you know, no, I don't want I, you I, to stray from this because it works and I want to keep no, it works. I, I think it's because they're assholes. <laughs> because the other thing I was thinking of too is um, David Falk was also on this, on my mm -hmm. podcast early on. And I grew up with David. So like, he's like a brother. David has a healthy ego, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of chefs that I know have healthy egos. And I wonder if it's almost like a survival uh, response because you I guys mean, have to continually... Any artist has, has an ego. Like, you have to care and you have to think your <sighs> shit is good. So ego comes from that, right? Whether you're, wh whether you're a chef, a painter a musician in order to continue to do it you have to believe that your shit's good and and but do ego, you think painters have as big of an ego as chefs i don't know I if think, i like i think some do? do and i, I think, think some so chefs don't i i, I don't th I, I don't think it's a one-to-one -one. yeah yeah i mean i'm clearly i'm i'm making like it's a stereotype but uh, but, I, but i also you say that like i think a lot of painters are um, like it's a, it's a little bit more laid back. Yeah, right. But 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 I would I would throw it into like the like touring musician thing. Like Axl Rose yes. is a or, I just said I mean, Axl Rose. Like I mean, we all know his reputation. We we know right. the reputations of a lot of these musicians, and I think that 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 is a little bit more of a parallel to to chefing because you are on stage whether you're behind a wall or mm. not your artistry everything you do is on stage every night in front of everybody maybe that's the difference because painters are not on stage yeah right poets are typically not on stage yeah i mean some are i mean L l comedians there's there's a little bit of that right. that there there right? as well and I, but, I mean, I but, know but i think for chefs like we're we're behind a wall and let's be honest people that go out to eat at restaurants are fucking assholes like like you, you deal know what, with though? so I'm gonna tell much you something. shit i'm gonna tell you something since covid I have been so appreciative of every server and hostess at, at restaurants because I know I can't go to every restaurant and get that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like a paradigm shift, you know? It's kind of like when you go to Europe and they're like, you're lucky that I'm taking care of you. Yeah. Well, now I do feel lucky to be taken care of. Sure. But like... All right, back so, to you. So from, yeah, from like a chef perspective, and I, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I could talk about this all day, but I don't know if we should. 
Like we're going to get what I want to get back to is this how you went from because because you figured out you hit barriers, you hit obstacles. And just like a mushroom, you changed, you mm -hmm. morphed. Yeah. How did so, you do that? OK, so. Um, so we were doing the those those like crazy um, pop course, course bitters, pop up, stuff like that. Um, yeah. doing all kinds of events. Um, so, so we started to do this, this, uh, this farmer's market in Washington park on Mondays and, um, we were making prepared foods. And one of the first dishes that we made was just like a salad of local greens tossed in a vinaigrette. And instead of putting like croutons on it, we, we decided to use uh, red wine vinegar potato chips as a gluten-free crouton, um, a lot of which because my, my, my daughter is gluten-free. So oh. it was just like something that I, I was playing around with and like, like let's think outside of the, the crouton and like what can we do that's kind of like weird but also not that weird when you when you break it down and you actually consume it um yeah. so we we made red wine vinegar chips and um and then um like uh 1215 wine bar joanna was was like hey um you do you want to make some like bar snacks for, for me and i was like hell yeah how about some <laughs> red wine vinegar chips and ranch dip she was like sweet yes. awesome and then um and then cheapside cafe was opening and uh, uh, that's that was the first time i ever had your chips was yeah. there I'm like what so, are these so I, I mean rom reached out to me because we were also at the at the market we were making like like fresh like sodas and stuff like that with like super weird ingredients like balls white balsamic vinegar and strawberry soda or like um yeah. like rhubarb and celery soda and he was like so i'm opening up this this, this place do you have any interest in, in like putting together a soda program for us i was like yeah sure but you also have to let me do a potato chip for you he was like okay <laughs> uh can you can you give me a like a variety of flavors and i was like sure why not Wait, so, did you have the variety of flavors yet? Hell no, no. Did you have the packaging yet? Uh, no, I called I called Ryan at Deeper Roots Coffee. And I was like, uh, can I buy a box of coffee bags for you? And, and, and some labels. He was like, yeah, sure, why not? My God, that's amazing. So, so we, so I quickly created like five varieties of flavors, some of which are still in, in our current lineup. Um, and uh and so i would be making chips kim my wife was handwriting labels at our kitchen table at night amazing sticking sticking them on bags and i would be then like putting like seasoning the chips and putting them in bags and delivering them the next morning um and slowly but surely like i mean cheap side had like there it, it had a lot of buzz around it so yeah, we had yeah. we had we had other people approach us about like hey can we get these chips 
sure okay yeah we can do these chips um and like slowly it got to the point where in the back of my mind i'm thinking like how can like is this a thing like were you making profit on this at this point this was simply a way for for me to make a little bit of revenue while we were in pre-development and continue to get the hen of the woods brand in front of consumers so um and like so one day at lunch i was sitting at the the counter at at cheapside and uh they had some periodical i can't remember what it was it was like it was maybe even like noble rot and i don't know why this article would have been noble. i don't know what that is it's like a wine magazine oh okay uh, but anyway they had a stack of like weird culinary related magazines on the end of the bar and i grabbed one of them and i'm just sitting there and i'm reading through it and there's this article on um the <laughs> about this guy named nick he was from pennsylvania somewhere i believe and he started a database online called uh potato chip world.com i believe and okay. i was like hmm, okay i'm making potato chips i'm gonna get on potato chip.com so i pick up my phone and i get on potato chip.com and i'm just looking through this thing and it's like a database of like every potato chip manufacturer that he's ever found he's like the number one lover of potato chips that's ever lived oh my gosh and so i just start like searching for potato chips around cincinnati and uh like i literally start calling the the phone numbers that are on his website like hey can i come check out your your facility um oh my gosh. I, i'd love to check it out and i sent him an email and i'm like hey my name's nick I, you're nick i'm nick i make potato <laughs> chips you love potato chips you let, love me send them. You, let, let me send you my potato chips he ended up doing an article on us but in the end i sent out like i don't know 10 emails or phone calls for potato chip companies potato chip makers in our region and yeah. this was on on a friday like midday on monday morning i had gotten a response from one of them that mm -hmm. said hey why don't you come and check us out um and so we i i made a call that day and I, he was like well i mean would you would you consider um maybe doing a test batch and i was like uh yeah what do i need to do to do that he was yeah. like well i don't know bring up like uh bring, bring up one seasoning and 300 pounds of potatoes i was like oh okay gosh. so at the time i had been borrowing kitchens from my friends yes. who were chefs and i would be on mondays like say restaurant x is closed on monday i was literally at the, at, at the time i spent 16 hours on monday oh god nick slicing frying seasoning potato chips for kimberly to handwrite labels 
put stickers on bags, and then for us to take those chips and put them in bags. That was like literally 16 hours, and we were doing 300 pounds in that 16 hours. I took 300 pounds of potatoes up to this facility, and they produced and packaged those 300 pounds of potatoes in 13 minutes and i was just like oh my fucking god but did but how was that on your margins uh so much better okay (laughs) yeah okay because it's just like it's just the scale you could scale yeah all right so so take us that at, at what point do you give up the white tablecloth restaurant? Oh, I had already given that up. You had given that up once you yeah, started no, making we, those potato what, chips. No, you what, were like, we had already shifted to that when we went to the bodega. <gasps> okay, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah. And then when did you give up the bodega? Um, a couple years later. Okay. Or maybe and, a, a year or so. It was just like what I what I came to realize is like i have an opportunity here and i can either explore this opportunity and and do everything i can to make it happen and i feel like i've forged the relationships to do it at least to get started or i can open the bodega and let this go or I can try to do both simultaneously and I'm not that fucking good at anything. <laughs> and, and, and what I said is, and, and this was a very hard conversation for, for some, some people that were in the room, it was easier yeah. for others. Um, <coughs> but like to, to, to give up that dream and I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to lie to you letting that dream go still like to this day i'm like man ah but at the same time i feel like i made the right decision how did you know how did you know what decision to make i honestly i just had a sense in my in my head and to be honest with you i don't know if it was right or wrong i I will tell you that I was completely blind as to what I was getting into (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I have very, (laughs) I should have failed. I should have failed there. I should have failed like 12,000 times. Um, I had no business doing what I did. Um, and what? If, why if, didn't if you I, fail? If I were to do what I did today, there's yeah. no chance that I would that I would make it because of how many changes there's been in the grocery landscape. But how? What happened? Like you said, you should have failed. Was it people? Was it circumstance? What prevented you from? Was it attitude? Uh, no, it it was. It was it, it was being inexperienced. Like chefs chefs don't understand CPG, just like 
like if you were to take a CEO of like the most successful CPG brand and plunk him into a kitchen and say, you need to be the chef here and you need to make this work. They would fail. Just like you take a chef and you plunk him into a CEO position of a startup CPG brand, he should fail. I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. I hired like, two chefs that one one of which i worked with in the past and uh, and this was when we were still wanting to open the bodega and another that that my wife had introduced me to that worked with us during like the farmer's market stage of of hen of the woods like pre hen of the woods cpg farmer's market so we have multiple stages of hen of the woods farmer's markets i just want to throw that out there but the the what we all had in common is a we know nothing about cpg b we give a shit c we're willing to work really fucking hard and d like when shit hits the fan and you need to problem solve on the fly we're gonna do that and we're gonna learn really quickly and we're gonna know how to solve this problem in the future like we're not going to make that same mistake twice. And like, it's like you're working on a hotline in a busy restaurant on a Saturday night. And it's like, you know, like the biggest Saturday night of the year and your oven goes out. It's Mm -hmm. like, who is the person that's getting on the ground taking the screws off of the back of the oven and igniting and igniting the pilot to get the oven back on. It's the show. All three of you will do that. And all three of us, that, that is what we did. So you but we're said, all, but we're all when you also were, very different. Like, you said when you were all in the room making that decision about, do we go this direction or this direction? Did you allude yeah. to the fact that like, you 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 knew you had to give up the bodega dream and go consumer packaging goods with the potato chips. Was were you other two partners on board with that? Well, I I also need to loop uh, my wife Kimberly into into this as well. Behind she every up, great man. Yeah, she hung up the phone on me. What? Like, yeah, she, like be, be, and, and, th- and this is because of like how wildly ADD I am and how many times <laughs> like we, we had, we had gone from point zero to at this point, like we're at like at least 65. And, and now all of a sudden I look at like, I call her and I'm like, and this is after I, I talked to, so this was the the afternoon on the monday after Mm -hmm. after potato chip manufacturer called me and said right why don't you why don't you come up on friday i can i can pencil in let's run a test batch this is monday afternoon i'm on my way home i distinctly remember it 
I was at the intersection of Madison Road and Erie Avenue. And I'm like, okay. So I, I, I call her and I'm like, so, and, and Grant, she's at home with like a one and a two year old and yeah. I've been working all day and there's been so many changes. So I call her and I'm like, mm-hmm. so I got to run this by you real quick. So, <laughs> but you really weren't running it by her. Yeah. I, I, I was like, so what would you think? think if we were to be a potato chip company first and maybe a restaurant sometime <laughs> later and it was just like click click <laughs> it's amazing um and i was like ah, oh, yeah that yep that's about what i expected <laughs> and and that's basically what i fucking deserve it's like, man. So I think you, the point why you started talking about this is that your wife had a lot of influence, sweat equity, time, investment in all of this. All so of it wasn't that. just and like the two did. guys and you, it was everybody. So, so Brady, who was the first one that I brought on um, and that I had worked with so much in the past, um, he was like like he was like yeah like the the cpg was um that that was an immediate thing that he yes for him yes um and what about the other guy uh we hadn't talked to him yet okay Um, so brady was a yes kimberly was a hang up the phone on you and but you knew she she was just like just I don't even want to fucking talk to you right now. <laughs> like, like, I think I'd really like her. I think that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and Jason, I was like, okay, Jason. well, we, we need to have uh, a sit down with Jason because we, we originally hired him to essentially take on the executive chef role. Oh. Um, so Brady, Brady was going to like kind of oversee the the front of house operations. Kimberly was going to oversee bar operations. I was going to oversee uh, like all operations, and Jason was going to be the executive chef. Good thing about Jason is he also happened to have what none of us had a finance degree. What? No way. Yeah. Jason um, did. Jason's Jason did finance. Did. Okay. Yeah. So, so like, like he's like super organized on the back end and all this stuff. And he likes doing that. And like, he was in, in a position where he's like ready to have kids and yeah. like, like he was like on like the cusp of, do I want to be in restaurants or is there something else? So like, at the time, like all of us coming together at this time in our lives where Kim and I had kids, Brady was getting ready to have kids. Jason was getting ready to have kids. And all of us saw like that the restaurant thing might not be best for that thing. Yeah. And like, we just happened to have a product line that like we could take to market and give it a go and like it's like what one in ten restaurants fail within the first five years 
Right. I mean, All right, so if we, I if I knew the percentage of CPG companies that failed in the first five years, I might have gambled on the restaurant because I we at least <laughs> knew what we were doing. But you, but going back to like ignorance is a little bit of bliss. Nick, we I can't we could talk for another two hours, but our time is almost up. Can you do me a favor for the last the last question here? Can you share with people, if you were to do this again, what would you do the same? What would you do differently? Um, what would I do the same? Um, I mean, first of all, I think our products, not and like we, we have product lines outside of potato chips and stuff like that. I think every single one of our products stands up against any single regional or national competitor in terms of yeah. quality. Um, and I would 100% stand behind every single one of the products. Like I am not going as a chef, I'm not yeah. going to sell a product that I don't think is like, if there were was a three Michelin star award for for snack foods, I yes. I wouldn't sell anything that that I didn't feel like should be considered for that award. I love um, that. So you're keeping those standards up. What would you do differently? Um, everything else. <laughs> yeah. Oh my everything god. Else. You know what? We're gonna mic drop on that because that's yeah. like the. Perfect. You know what? You're a mushroom. You're a mushroom. Yeah. You're ever changing. Yeah. We're, we're con now. We can we close? Can I ask you one more question? Evolve. You continue to evolve. I, w I used to say fungi, but then I watched that documentary on Netflix, and all these mushroom nerds call it fungi. What? Mm. What is it? Whatever. You know what, listeners? You call it whatever the hell you want. Because yeah. back to I'm going to go back to your quote earlier. Taste is subjective, and so is on how to use to have so, that pronunciation. So, so of words. <laughs> orange, 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 orange. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. My mom right. calls tomatoes tomatoes, and I want I to murder that. her. No, I love how she says that. I think it's so sophisticated. No, uh, Nick. You are amazing. Thank you for being on the show. This is super fun. And uh, everybody check out Hen of the Woods because they are amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.